Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Today is Wednesday, October the 13th, and this next hour we gather around the inspired and true Word of God in Leviticus chapter 26. Starting in chapter 25, the Lord gave specific instructions concerning a Sabbath year, not only a day, a whole year, the year of Jubilee, redemption of property, and service to the poor brothers. Today, the instructions continue as God continued to speak to Moses on on, on Sinai concerning the blessings of obedience and the punishment for disobedience. This is quite a difficult text because we're hearing of how, well, okay, there are blessings for being obedient. Example, the fourth commandment, when we honor our father and mother, it says in the text that your days may be long in the land of the Lord your God. But we are given other examples of when even when you are obedient, it doesn't mean everything is just happy and a blessing. So how does this fit together today? Once again, we will look to the text, but we also will look to Jesus. The gifts are ready ready for you. Thy Strong Word is generously underwritten by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's Word, we welcome regular guest Pastor John Shank of Trinity Lutheran Church and School in Edwardsville, Illinois. Pastor Shank, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Well, thanks for having me back. It's always an honor and it's always a lot of fun to be on. I say uh, fun, but there are some there are some harder words today. Uh, I could I can't say that I uh, I I when I got the assignment that it's going to be Leviticus twenty six. I, I didn't know exactly what I'd be covering, so I turned to it and read through. I'm like, okay, okay, oh wow, that's a hard word. Uh, as we get further in, uh, I didn't see that one coming. Uh, but right. then we also get some amazing promises of the Lord that reveal his person, his nature, his promises, and, and what he will do for us. And that uh, it's always the covenantal promises of the Lord that sustain us. And I love how I love how you bring that to the beginning because it is something where he says, "And the Lord remembers remembered his covenant with Jacob," which just brings us back to the history. It brings us back to the covenantal language of the Old Testament. How important that is for us, and and not only for him but for us too. And it's really right. uh, a, a lot of fun when that was brought into the text. Like you said, there was a time range where you're like, "Uh oh." What's going on here? And then to see that, once again, the Lord brings his grace. But Pastor, before we get more into that, tell us about what's going on for you, your family, and the work of the saints at Trinity. Well, we continue on with our school year, so we're very blessed. Uh, Just um, very thankful that uh, the Lord has uh, returned uh, our students uh, this year, and we can be in His Word today. We have chapel, rejoicing in, in God's gifts, and, and just rejoicing to be together. It's so much of the things that we had to deal with last year. There's been a little bit of relaxing of them. Of course, uh, COVID still exists, and we still get af- affected, and sadly, sometimes then infected by it. And uh, so we still have friends that are at home and and not with us in school, so we continue to pray for them. But uh, school year keeps marching on, and our kids are learning and growing and uh, singing God's praise. 
Well, thanks. Thank you for that update. It is it is a reality for everybody right now. And I especially ask for you, our listeners, to pray for our schools um, as they do something like today. They have chapel to be in the word of God each day. And there's so many other venues of how this happens. You know, around here, we'll have chapel at the nursing home um, and we'll do various other ways to bring the word of God. So just pray that the living and active word will bear fruit in people's lives, even if, as Pastor said, uh, if it's Leviticus 26. It's funny, this morning I texted Pastor Shank just to say, hey, just want to make sure we're on the same page, we're good. And his basic premise in this text back was, Lord, have mercy. So (laughs) we will get through this today together and we will see Christ. So Pastor, on that note, Lord, have mercy. Can you begin our time in prayer? Yes, let us pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Oh Lord, you are with us. And your grace and your mercy, they surround us. So we ask you, O Lord, to once again visit your people. Uh, Abide with us today in the midst of our waywardness. Uh, Do not visit us in anger and frustration, uh, but by your word turn us so that we may not so that we may not wander or harden our hearts away from you, but may be turned and be softened. Um, Eternal to hear your word and rejoice in all of your promises, for it is in the promise of Christ that we have eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Reminder to your listeners, if you have any questions concerning Leviticus 26 or any part of Leviticus on that in that matter, uh, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call us, 314-821-0850. Now, I'm going to take a step back here as we look at chapter 26. It really begins at the beginning of chapter 25, where the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai. And I'll tell you this, I know at the end of our time today, we will be blessed. So some of the negative uh, language I've been using here, I'll step back a bit and say, it is a blessing as I study this text. So pastor, how do you want to begin us today as the Lord spoke to Moses and he speaks to us? Yeah, I'm glad that you did bring us back uh, to 25, (laughs) because then um, there's a reality as we're looking at our text that it seems solely as an if-then, right? Like, and a a pure if-then. If you do this, then this will happen. If you do that, then this will happen. And there is that reality, but we could slip into the false notion that all the blessings that we get in this life are a result of that if if I'm faithful, then I'm going to get this and that and this and this is and and then the outward the the end result would be I did it. The twenty chapter twenty five helps us in this reality of a and it seems pretty extreme, you know. It seems um, kind of wild in our ears that you'd have a year that. Uh, the Lord would say, hey, just uh, don't. <laughs> don't mm-hmm. farm the land. Like, uh, that, that's probably not going to happen, uh, you know. And nor is he talking to us in our time. You know, this is um, specifically to the people of Israel, uh, but there is application to us. There is amazing application. And the reason that, that the people were called into these you know, seven-year year of, uh, of, of rest for the land, and then the 50th year, year of full jubilee in which um, you return what you had, uh, return the land back to its original owner. You would give, and, and there'd be a sense that the people uh, would be freed. Um, that brings the people back to who they are. They, um, 
they were a people that didn't do anything to get this land in the first place. This land was solely won and wrought and and and, and purchased uh, and and given by the the working of God, not them. They were people who were originally enslaved. And we can see something here for us today. We can still see the reality that we are a distinct people who were enslaved to sin and um, living in the shadow of death all the days of our life, and yet God has freed us. Now, as we live our lives under this sun um, and in the toils of our hands, we could live out our days trying to be defined by that work and be defined by who we are and all these things, you know, look at what I've done, right? Mm-hmm. And, and God's like, no, 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 that doesn't define you. I define you by the, the the fact that I set you free by my son. You're defined as in him. So um, the the first if, the first thought of, as we get into 26, if you do this, we have to understand, like, if you abide, if you abide in in this relationship that I've created, I made you my people. Stay in it, right? Then these are the things that will happen because I'm a I'm a I love you. Uh, not that you have established my love by your work. Um, so that would be my only kind of initial salvo into what we're dealing with. Be careful with the end, if then, because we missed the re- reality that God had freed them to be his people. He had done it. So stay in that freedom. Stay in that, that relationship of the Lord. But if you walk away, if you want to live without God, this is what that life looks like, and it's no good. And continually throughout Leviticus is that he keeps establishing his identity and the people's identity. I mean, even right before 26, where he says, uh, for it is me to the people of Israel are servants. They are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord Yahweh, your God. And it's amazing because he has these little inter, he intercedes all the time telling them this is what is expected, I guess you would say. And then he says, I am the Lord. And we can read that in two ways. One, you could say, oh, he's just trying to domineer people or be be all powerful over them, which is a true statement. I mean, he has that power, but he says it often. And I love how he says it here. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you should redeem the poor man. I redeemed you. Therefore, you redeem the poor man or show kindness to the poor brothers um, that you have a year of jubilee to, to establish once again who you are. And he continually says, I am the Lord. So like you said, the identity piece easily can slip in that we start thinking, oh, I, I did the if. So therefore, you do the then. And he right. continually points back, says, no, this is about identity. This is who you are. Right. I'm holy. Be holy as I'm holy the identity piece. So any other thoughts before we begin, Pastor? Yeah, definitely. I had that written down to the reality that of his continual statements, I am the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. So he is the Lord. And, and so any thought of, uh, but Lord, on that seventh year, look at how much I'm giving up. <laughs> I'm not going to make any <laughs> profits this year. What can I In the 50th year, I got to sell all this back. I made a great deal last time, right? Um, no. You're not giving anything up because all that you had was grace. None of this land is any of your. You didn't work to, uh, you know, the vineyards were already there before you came. The houses were there before you inhabited them. What are you talking about? What What is yours? All this is mine. I am the Lord. And, and that's a good message because then it reminds us, 
He's the Lord. He, he did this before. He freed us. He takes care of us. He'll do it tomorrow. So let's rest in him. And, and that's the whole call of trust and faith. Let's rest in him today. Let's, let's be reminded he is the Lord, and therefore I can trust in him today. And that's, that's a message that obviously still rings very clear to us today in our, in our day. And that definitely is how chapter 26 begins when it talks about, well, the problem of idolatry. So anything else before we get those few, the first few verses? No, we can uh, start off. Let's get into it. Let's open up our Bibles and let's go. We are reading from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture, Leviticus chapter 26, verses 1 and 2 we'll start off with. You shall not make idols for yourselves or erect an image or pillar, and you shall not set up up, excuse me, a figured stone in your land to bow down to it. For I am the Lord Yahweh your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord Yahweh. So, so right away, I love how often we will kind of act like Leviticus makes up new rules. But there's so much of it that it comes back down to the Ten Commandments, specifically the first commandment. And that's what we see right away. So what is he establishing here in this chapter? Yeah, I think it's interesting as we're dealing with um, the nature of God and um, the reality of fallen man, that he has to write a commandment to rest. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, right. um uh, yes, you need to stop working um, because we will continue to think that we've earned it, we've deserved it, and so we need to, we have a, a we have a religion of rest, of resting in God and resting in who He is and resting in His promises, and so He calls the people to remember His Sabbath, uh, remember that He is a God who gives us rest, and we then of course understand that Jesus is our Sabbath rest, mm-hmm. rest from all the, the toil of earning our own holiness and perfection, the, the toil under the sun in which this world has fallen in, in sin, and uh, we toil away, and it's hard, and it's full of uh, thorns and, and thistles, and the ground um, kind of groans under what we have done to God's good creation, and yet he calls us to remember him. Therefore, how could you ever bow to something that your hands have made and uh, that is nothing? And we'll see that it's not even alive. Uh, this doesn't live. It's, it's not real. It, it can't speak to you. It can't give you any rest. It, it only makes you serve and work and work. Um, but God is a God who's living and speaks to us. And when he speaks to us, he calls us into his rest. And so right away, we see this, uh, um, how you say it? it, it's hard for us to think through the, uh, you shall have another God's part, because we'll read this and say, well, I don't have a graven image. Like, I don't, I don't go home and have like a, a little statue right at my front door, bow to it, pray to it, and then go about my business. Um, you know, I go to church and, and there's a cross, but I, you know, I don't bow to it as if that's my God. So sometimes we get lost in this first commandment as if, no, I got, I'm good. I don't have a graven image. Um, but, but it's more than that. Any thoughts on how to think through that clearly 
Um, because if you don't have the first commandment right, the rest of what we're talking about today doesn't make any sense. So any thoughts? Yeah, I think that's why, you know, if you're in a three-year lectionary, you know, last last week was so powerful. You know, I kept all the commandments. The, the rich man comes to Jesus. You know, what do <laughs> I have to true. do to be enter eternal life? I kept them all. Uh, okay, go sell all you have and come follow me. Yeah, I can't do that. So here... Um, it's maybe a text uh, or a word that hits our people home a little bit more. All right, Lord, I've done it all. I'm a good person. Look how hard I work all week long. I'm a good dad. I'm a good mom. I, I take care of my kids. I provide wonderfully for them. We go on vacations. I take my kids on vacations every year. They get to go to Disneyland every year. I'm a great person. And he's like, all right, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Boy, whoa, whoa, whoa! I can't do that. Why? Um, because I, I, I work on the Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. I take my kids to all their soccer. I take my kids to, you know, it's like, what, what you? <laughs> I think the Sabbath call is is for our people. The call to, hey, why don't you just, you know, you don't have to give up everything. Just give up this one day. And it's like, but I can't. Um, so, yeah, that first commandment reality, can you trust him? Can you trust the Lord to come and have your Sabbath with the Lord? Or are we feeling like then I, I might be missing out on something? My kids mm-hmm. might be missing out on something. Can you trust that the Lord actually gives us good gifts? And he's going to give us good gifts together here as a church. And so, yeah, so the first commandment, you shall have no other idol, or you should not have idols here, no carved images. Yeah, we create our own idols all over the place when it comes to Sabbath. I think one one explanation I heard I've been using quite a bit lately is an understanding of, you know, you can, it's, I don't want to say it's easy to cling to Jesus. I'm not trying to make a theological point, but saying that, you know, fix our eyes on Jesus. Like, yeah, you know what? I'm looking to Jesus. I, you know, all this. The problem is not necessarily, can I cling to Jesus? The problem is, can I let go of something else? You know, like, okay, okay, I got this. You know, can I give up that, like you said, soccer? Can I give up uh, something else? That 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 is the difficult part. I know it is for me. And the opposite can be true for us as pastors is that, for example, my kids, are in sports that really never conflict with our Sunday morning worship opportunity, which then creates a little bit of pharisaical idea there too. See, my kids are always there on Sunday. Therefore I don't have idols. Right. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm clinging to Jesus. I, you know, all this. And, and, and then I conveniently forget the idolatry I need to repent of also. Any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I I was uh, just teaching a Bible study and the one you know, it's talking about Sabbath and, and rest and things and that, too. And the one uh, member's like, isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're working all the time. You don't take any breaks. I'm like, yes, pastors are the worst sinners. You think we're better at this? We're the worst sinners. Yeah, we work all the time. And and we need to hear we we need to hear the truth of of resting in the Lord instead of thinking we've you know we've done it. So yes, absolutely, yeah, we're so, right there. <laughs> so let's con- let's continue on as we begin the if then um, words of the Lord. And what does this mean for us? Verses three, we'll go through thirteen. 
If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in their season, and the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last to the time of the grape harvest, and the grape harvest shall last to the time for sowing. And you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land securely. I will give you peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will remove harmful beasts from the land, and the sword shall not go through your land. You shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. I will turn to you and make you fruitful, multiply you, and will confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat old store long kept, and you shall clear out the old to make way for the new. I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. I will walk among you and will be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord Yahweh your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and you shall not be their slaves. And I have broken the bars of your yoke and make you walk erect. So, I mean, this sounds pretty good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm comforted right now. So I think we do have to see the positives in this. So what is the Lord telling us? And, and uh, well, this is good. So tell, tell us why this is good. What's happening? Yeah, so this is, it is good. God is good. God promises, God promises to be with his people. They are, they are his Israel. They are his church. And he promises um, them a land. And in this land, he is literally going to dwell with them. He will walk with them and he yeah. will be their God. So the promised land um, will be like um, no other land. We, we, if they will remain with him and not leave him, right, not walk away, then we have a bit of a picture of Eden on earth, you know, a recapitulation, a, a bringing back of what it was supposed to be like for all people, but now he's going to do it for a specific people as he, you know, marches forward to the promise of the Messiah. Um, so in this, we've got uh, like uh, three groups of blessings. We've got a blessing of rain and harvest, and then he tells them that, that, that they will have a blessing of uh, preservation, preservation from wild animals, uh, that they will... Uh, I mean, if you read through the Old Testament, you see that this is um, quite a wild land. I mean, we have lions, we've got bears, we've, we've got all these things that now don't even exist. They've kind of become extinct in this area, and that happens in the world, but doesn't mean that it was always the case. Uh, there was all of these... Uh, very dangerous wild animals uh, that were, you know, very, uh, very troublesome and, and dangerous for the people. Uh, but then also enemies, uh, their enemies would not uh, win or defeat them because God was with them. And we see this as the people march on and um, and fight in the land of the, if they follow the word of the Lord and do what He says. God would go uh, before them and often win the battle before any kind of action of the people. Uh, and the last blessing, that God would uh, be there. His presence was the greatest blessing of them all. And, of course, this is speaking specifically of the people of Israel, but there is a kind of a Proverbs way for us to deal with this, too, in a, in a general wisdom. If we keep God's Word uh, in our day, 
and even in our land, not to make America the new Israel or any kind of foolish thoughts like that. I'm not, I'm not doing that. Um, but if we if we walk in his statutes, it will go better for you. <laughs> if you mm-hmm. ju- if you treat your family well, if you're honoring your marriage, it'll go better for you than if you don't. Um, if you don't defraud people, you don't have to worry about the police officer coming and knocking on your door, right? So there is a, pr- a proverb-style way of looking at this as well. That there is, of course, of course, there's always the theology of the cross. There are times where the Christian is going to face persecutions. And it's not because he's done anything particularly wrong, but he's bearing the name of Christ. But in a general way, in this life, if we hear his word and we heed his word, yes, um, it, it, there, there is general blessings for us. But now in this, we're talking about very specific blessings that he would work for the people of Israel in the promised land as he is with them. And that's why to look at this, maybe we need to keep it simple, is simply be faithful and God will, will, you will be blessed. And if you keep it at that, which is true, because if you just, if you, he says he will provide the bread. Okay. You'll dwell in your land securely. Like you said, this wasn't just war or a bomb or something. This is like lions, tigers, and bear. Oh my, you know, those kind of things. Right. And so you have all of this that we don't fully understand. But he talks about the promise. I mean, this is a, this. How can we not see Jesus when he says, "And I will walk among you, and I'll be your God." I mean, this is Emmanuel type of language right there. Um, it reminds us of how the Lord is always with us, and to keep it simple. And once again, his identity, where he says, um, "I did this in the past for you in Egypt, and I will continue to do so." So for us, it's probably good for us is to give thanks and say, "Yeah, this is what God does." Thanks be to God. And then we'll take on the next part, knowing <laughs> of his promises of faithfulness. So any last thoughts? We're almost to our time for our break. So I want to make sure there's anything else when we look at the if-then that is presented to us in these verses. Yeah, the, the reality is that he is the Lord, and this reveals his nature. Like From beginning to end, he is a God of grace and mercy, and he is a God who is our loving Heavenly Father, and he does provide for us in body and soul, and we can trust in him. That's the overall uh, message of the scriptures, to, to trust in him, to trust in him through Jesus, to trust in him by what Jesus has done and that promise for us. Um, so, yes, as we deal with very specific things for the people of Israel in the land, and we can see this play out in their lives, that w- mm. when they were living in this way, God God did protect them. God did go before them. Their enemies could not do anything against them. Even before they even picked up the sword, their enemies were destroyed. Um, it's also true for us and our greatest enemy. Before we pick up a sword, before we do anything, our greatest enemy, sin, death, and the devil, have been destroyed by Christ, who is with us. I look forward to getting more into this on the other side of our break. We are studying Leviticus chapter 26 with Pastor John Shank, and we will be right back.
These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. And welcome back. We are studying Leviticus chapter 26 with Pastor John Shank of Trinity Lutheran Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. And now, Pastor, we get to a section of the punishment for disobedience. And this can be quite challenging to read. So what are some um, helpful thoughts as we filter through this? To, to first, we saw the if-then, and we see the blessings that our Lord gives. Now we get to an if-then that is not quite so, um, not quite so, uh, you call it jolly, I guess I would, I would put it. So, Pastor, what are some important things to remember as we look at these next verses? So, I would bring us back again one more time to last <laughs> week's gospel lesson. In last week's gospel lesson, when this man came and he said, I've done it, Right after he said, I've done this for my youth, that, that next line will, will always stick with me because it's one of, one of my favorite. You know, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Mm-hmm. And then he said, go sell all that you have. So even when God is saying this, he's not saying it because he hates the people. He's not saying it because he's despised them from all eternity. He actually looks at us and and loves us. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't speak a word of warning. If he didn't love us, he would let us walk this way into eternal damnation without saying, this is where the road leads. Um, So he looked at him and he loved him. and, And he, our Heavenly Father, still is looking at his people, even as he knows what is going to come. And all these things do come for the people he still loves them, and we see it by the end, uh, what his promise will be. Well, let's, let's dig through in that understanding of God's love. Just like a father and mother would discipline their children, our Lord disciplines us in love once again. So we'll continue verses 14 through 20. But if you will not listen to me and will not do all these commandments, if you spurn my, my statutes and if your soul abhors my rules so that you will not do all my commandments, but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I'll visit you with panic, with wasting disease and fever that consume the eyes and make the heart ache. And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you, and you will be struck down before your enemies. Those who hate you shall rule over you, and you shall flee when none pursues you. And if in spite of this you will not listen to me, then I will discipline you again sevenfold for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power, and I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze. And your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield its increase, and the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. So it begins with, if you will not listen and do the commands, and then he gives us the laundry list of some very, uh, very difficult words. How would you break this down, Pastor? So as we go through the rest of the uh, kind of curses that are, are laid out, just so with the blessings, we had three 
three groups of three. Now we have five five groupings here. Mm-hmm. So we'll have general curses with illness and famine and defeat. Then we'll be dealing with drought and, and poor harvest. Then we'll be dealing with the wild animals that we talked about before. Instead of being saved by them, they're going to come and work their um, bad intentions. Then we have war leading to plagues and, and famine. Then we have war that this is the hardest word than war that leads the people to to even cannibalism um, mm-hmm. and then exile and then the people are taken out so God's promise of the land is finally removed from them and they are taken out of his promise so um, as we go through we like you said we have uh, words that are intended and I you know, I have to believe because God keeps his remnant that even as we're going through, even as communally, the people will not listen. He still, God still reserves his remnant, his faithful number. And, and they do heed what's going on around them, leads them to understand their need for his mercy. And e- even throughout God, God will continue to, to do that yet as a whole, we we know where the Old Testament leads them, that they will go finally into exile. Um, but his promise, even through that, uh, will lead us to the joys and rejoicings of the gospel. Um, yeah. And that's something that's interesting, is that God still keeps his people <laughs> throughout throughout all these difficult realities. As we went through First and Second Kings prior to this, you do see how how communally these things happen, the panic. And I, I, love, I, I don't love, I, it's interesting to me, just some of those words, the panic. And although we do not know the panic that we'll see when the Assyrians took over or the Babylonian exile or whatever, I mean, that's, that's just something that I have a hard time fathoming. I do remember the panic of when everything started shutting down here in America with COVID. There was just a general panic for all of us, unsure of what to do, what to do, and what, where to go. What does that mean? Why did that happen? We don't know. But I'm just, I can relate with this understanding of panic and going through all these things that can happen. We saw happen to the people of Israel, which to me leads me to once again need to repent for my own sins and to realize the consequences when I do not fear, love, and trust in God. But yet, like you said, you cling to that remnant that the Lord will keep his people and Lord, keep us in that faith. Anything else before we move on? I mean, like you said, there, you break it down. There's a lot of different um, warnings that are here. So we'll probably just plow through. But anything else? Yeah, we can keep going because then we can stop along the way and, and Got reflect it. on different things. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go 21. I think I'll go all the way to 33. Then if you walk contrary to me and will not listen to me, I will continue striking you sevenfold for your sins. And I'll let loose the wild beast against you, which shall bereave you and your children and destroy your livestock and make you few in number so that your roads shall be deserted. And if by this discipline you are not turned to me, but walk contrary to me, then I will also walk contrary to you. And I myself will strike you sevenfold for your sins. And I will bring a sword upon you and shall execute vengeance for the covenant. And if you gather within your cities, I will send pestilence among you, and you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. 
When I break your supply of bread, ten women shall bake your bread in a single oven, and shall dole and shall dole out the bread again by weight, and you shall eat and not be satisfied. But if in spite of this you will not listen to me, but walk contrary to me, then I will walk contrary to you in fury, and I myself will discipline you sevenfold for your sins. You shall eat the flesh of your sons, and you shall eat the flesh of your daughters. And I will destroy your high places and cut down your incense altars and cast your dead bodies upon the dead bodies of your idols, and my soul will abhor you. I will lay your cities waste, and I will make your sanctuaries desolate, and I will not smell your pleasing aromas. I myself will devastate the land, so that your enemies who settle in it shall be appalled at it. And I will scatter you among the nations, and I will unsheath the sword after you, and your land shall be a desolation and your cities shall be a waste. He continually says here, Pastor, the sevenfold, I will strike you sevenfold for your sins, and boy, does he. Um, What are your thoughts? Yeah, and that sevenfold, um, I mean, we have a completion, perfection, you know, there's definitely this, but then it's, it's God's perfect completion. So this isn't running amok. I mean, it seems like it, right, that this is out of control. But God God continues to show us that he's in control of the discipline for which he is disciplining his people. And as the people are on this road, God continues to supply these off-ramps. <laughs> Take the off-ramp. Don't don't keep going this way. You can come on, turn around. Let's 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 yeah. stop going in this direction and there's a sevenfold reality but if you you want to keep going okay well here's another seven i'm going to do this and that sevenfold um yes it reminds them that their sin doesn't go unpunished but it's weighed upon them multiplier of seven yes but in my mind it also reminds me that god is in the control this is god's perfect um punishment discipline with an intent to turn them from it um, and, and we can see this in in all different ways. You know, the 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 land does not produce what it what it promised to produce. I mean, we have uh, one oven and uh, was it ten or eleven uh, mm-hmm. women around it. You know, this is uh, not just that number, but this is those families. Before, there'd be one oven per family, you know, baking away. Um, if you go back to 25, you know, he, he promises them, uh, God promises, if they um, walk in this way and they keep the Sabbath year, what, what will the year before do? It will produce three times. <laughs> so they have enough for the Sabbath year and the, and the year after as they're planting to keep eating. God, there's this super divine abundance of food and and now because they have uh toiled away and they have not trusted and and sought after other gods who aren't alive um then then we have one loaf to feed all of these families uh that that juxtaposition that that contrast is is stark right that there is such an abundance and now there is such a need because the one who is the abundance god himself is not the one who they are seeking and that is the 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 true sadness of the text 
And it, it's that uncomfortable feeling of I can't get satisfied is is what really um, struck me there is that, okay, all right, well, if there's a beast that's always surrounding me, I'll just make a better, um, I'll just make a better weapon or something, you know, and I will just get more people to do this. But I, but that understanding of, yeah, there'll be bread, but it's like, if you go to an Italian restaurant and they give you one breadstick when they promise to give you unlimited breadsticks or something (laughs) like that, you know, and it's not like that at all, but it's like, that's all they give you. And you're sitting there waiting and waiting and you never quite get enough. And now it gets even further because now it's not just you, it's your wife, it's your family. It's those in your community that are never being satisfied. So you just feel it. You can, um, it's not only something that's an idea, but you, you feel it. You feel the hunger pains. You, and there's no way of you being able to provide. There's just no way around it. And that's why the next piece is so hard for us to understand. But then it gets a cannibalism and it shows how bad things get where the reality is, like you said, you can go off. You can go off the off ramp. You can go off the road in the off ramp. We can we can turn this thing around, and and that's something I love that analogy that you have. I think that's I have to use that, and I encourage you, our listeners, to think about that because no matter where you are, there's always an off ramp. No matter where you are, there's always an opportunity to leave. This isn't like when you're in the middle of Iowa and you're driving. There's not another another exit for thirty miles. The exit is right there for you to turn around and look to the Lord. And by the way, I love Iowa. Um, and just saying, I had that experience where like, I need to go to the bathroom. Where am I going to go? Half an hour later, finally, there was an off ramp. Anyways, and your thoughts, Pastor. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the off ramp, you know, this reality of, of getting off or turning back is the mercy of the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. He, he is, he, he doesn't say you've done this one thing. I'm going to, this is your eternal reality, right? He's not just. He's not just hiding to get you. He is pursuing after you to love you and, and to grant you his grace and to bring you into his mercy and to, to abide with you by his son. Uh, so this, this constant pursuit, um, which is, again, a stark contrast from what the people desire, right? They desire this idolatry. And so they make... Uh, gods like all the people around them. They look at, instead of rejoicing in this reality of the uniqueness of their position as God's own people and how God provides for them and the abundance and the security and safety that they have in him, they look out to the the people around and they're like, I want to be like them. Look at these ornate um uh, statues of their gods. We we need something beautiful like that. And so they, they make them, they worship them. But it it's not alive. Uh, and and God uses that to judge them that this dead God and their dead bodies will be thrown in together. And you know, once you know, once for them, once upon a time for them all these nations around them fled from them, even before they came into the land. We, we hear it as the people are coming in. Mm. You know, we heard about you. We heard about your people. We heard about what happened in Egypt, and we're terrified of you because we're terrified of your God. So um, it, it used to be that the nations would flee um, because God was with them. But what the people must have thought that they were pretty hot. 
You know, they were pretty amazing mm-hmm. that they were the elite forces of the world, right? Because we're so good that we don't even have to fight. Uh, but the reality was that no, they were not the elite forces. <laughs> they they were the sergeant piles, right? The, the, they were the, the they were not <laughs> this amazing force, right? They were looking at the wrong end of the gun the whole time, and right. and yet God was going before them and was causing the people to flee. But what if God doesn't do that? And then well, this enemy who who fleed would then overcome them. Right. And they were overcome by their enemies and they were sieged and so I mean this this reality uh, of how bad it got. I mean it is as you said, you, you dealt with Second Kings. So Second Kings six twenty eight twenty nine. Um, mm-hmm. That's a, a historical record of this. You know, beyond what I even want to say with my lips, reality actually existed, um, and it's a, a horror of all horrors. But when the people were sieged, um, that's what they did, um, and, and and so. Um, yeah, we want we want, we definitely want God uh, going before us instead of pursuing after things that are not God, uh, because then God is God can't follow that. Uh, God can't uh, bless us in our pursuit of things who are not Him. That is not good. And I, well, first of all. You brought up you know, Sergeant Pyle or Private Pyle, <laughs> going back to Gomer Pyle, back to Andy Griffith days. But anyways, um, <laughs> which is a great reference, is to look at this and how quickly we can really start thinking that we have it all together. And he brings it back to say, you know, those, those same people that fled from you, held you in high esteem, will come back and go to your land and be appalled at what you did, did wrong. You know, appalled at the what they will have there. You'll be scattered, and people won't even remember you. Basically, is what he's telling them, and yeah. and that's something that we all have to remember that this is all God's work. That this is all God's gift. Even the off ramp that we think that we have turned ourselves around, the Lord is one who turns us around, and all of this he reminds us that His grace is sufficient for um, uh, when we are weak. Therefore, we are strong. Um, anything else, Pastor, before we continue to the end? And so then by the end, he, he takes, if they, if this is who they will be in, in this land, that they will be just like all the other nations, then he will take them out into the nations in order to then preserve his promise. Wonderful. So let's continue on. I'm just going to read till the end, 34, all the way to the end of chapter 26. Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbaths as long as it lies desolate while you are in your enemy's land. Then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it shall have rest, the rest that it did not have on your Sabbaths when you were dwelling in it. And as for those of you who are left, I will send faintness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies. The sound of a driven leaf shall put them to flight, and they shall flee as one flees from the sword, and they shall fall when none pursues. They shall stumble over one another, and as if to escape a sword through the none, though none pursues. And you shall have no power to stand before your enemies, 
and you shall perish among the nations, and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. And those who are left shall rot away in your enemies' lands because of their iniquity, and also because of the iniquities of their fathers, they shall rot away like them. But if they confess their iniquity and their iniquity of their fathers and your treachery that they committed against me, and also in the walking contrary to me, so that I walked contrary to them and brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised heart is humbled and they make amends for their iniquity, then I'll remember my covenant with Jacob, and I'll remember my covenant with Isaac, and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember their land. But the Lord shall the the land, excuse me, shall be abandoned by them and enjoy its Sabbaths while Allah is desolate without them, and they shall make amends for their iniquity, because they spurned my rules and their soul abhorred my statutes. Yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them. Neither will I abhor them as to destroy them utterly and break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord your God, their God. But I will for, your, for their sake remember my covenant with their for forefathers, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord Yahweh. These are the statutes and rules and laws that the Lord made between himself and the people of Israel through Moses on Mount Sinai. So quite a bit here. He talks about the Sabbaths. He talks about, well, the off-ramp, the the confession of their iniquity, and speaks very strongly of covenant language at the end. Um, What do do you want to highlight first? Yeah, so it it begins, though, with like a kind of an anti-Gideon reality, right? Okay, Uh, The opposite. And so, uh, you know, they... Uh, broke their jars, blew their horns, and the people fleed, and they uh, destroyed themselves. They started attacking themselves, enemies before before the Lord. And and here we we have the opposite. Now we've got not even jars and horns. We've got the wrestling of leaves. So as we're heading into the fall season, and you hear the leaves, uh, you know, start to fall, and the the uh, wrestling of the leaves in the wind. Um, and you would leave your home and run away and never come back again. Uh, that's how the people would flee from their enemies. They would be so afraid that they would be running from the shadows and running from things that didn't even exist. So, um, yeah, so the, the people had no security. Uh, the rumors of the enemies would make them run and, and be afraid. Such was uh, the lack of security when God was not was not with them, and then they were brought into exile. When we say all this, I mean, we've got uh, Assyria, and then we've got Babylon, and the people were destroyed. Uh, the land mm-hmm. was uh, brought into its rest. It's like the, the, the land is wearied by the transgression of the people. The, the, the land is just worn out uh, by what the people have done in it. And so God is giving it rest from its um, its sinful owners. Um, that's kind of a sad, sad thing that that this which the land should have rejoiced that God's people dwell in it, and be brought to bring fruit and and blessing, um, and and rejoice. Now uh, they did not listen, and so God gives the land its rest, its Sabbath rest that the people never probably ever gave. I I think there's a recording of one jubilee. Um, but uh, it's not like we have all these jubilee years recorded in, in Scripture. 
Um, how often did the people really do it? Well, here it says he's going to give the, the land rest because the people didn't do it. And that's one of the humbling things in this text is that the only way that they could have rest or the land could enjoy is when you were gone, which is not what it was all meant to be. The Jubilee that was supposed to be there, the the sign of God's grace where, you know, it, it doesn't look like you'll have enough food, but yet the Lord will grant it and the land will kind of just just burst out with joy to be able to provide this food for you. No, the only way they get rest is when you actually leave, which shows us there's, there's an issue. But then there's some promise here, verses 40 until the end. It's full of promise. So what are the promises that he yeah. gives? Yeah, as we get into the fact that they are brought out and they are exiles in a foreign land, that the intention of that, the love of that, is to bring them to see that um, uh, that that God um, God has purpose, that God would still keep His promise, that this is their waywardness, and now we need to confess our sins and, and to confess what we have done. This is not God's fault; this is our fault, and and God does this to keep um, to keep His uh, His promises and and to really to live in His. Uh, nature. It is his nature that he keeps, that he is gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he keeps his word. So he's going to keep his people, even as they live in a foreign land, because he's made a promise to them, a promise that he's bound himself to, uh, a promise um, to to rescue, and a promise to send the Messiah, and a uh, that that he himself will will do it, uh, and, and so he will he will rescue his people. So he is the same God that he had freed them from bondage and slavery in Egypt, and he's going to return them from bondage and slavery from Babylon. He will gather his people because he is the same one who will come and dwell amongst us and, and take on our take on our sin and take on our frailty and be crucified for us um, because he is the one who keeps his promise. And that's still amazingly true for us today, that God will keep his promise to you, that he is faithful. Um, He is the Lord. I am the Lord, he says. I have done it. I have defeated death for you. Now, Pastor, we have about a minute left in our time, and I love I love the language, but I will, for their sake, remember the covenant with their forefathers. What was this covenant? We have about a minute left. Yeah, so the covenant, it brings us all the way back uh, to Genesis 3.15, right? By the seed of the woman. So we've got all the covenants of... Um, uh, the Abrahamic covenants, uh, Noah's covenant... Uh, the Mosaic Covenant. Um, But if we go all the way back to Genesis 3.15, where Adam and Eve fell into sin, God had promised that through her seed, through this birth of a son, he would destroy the devil and he would free us from the bondage to sin and to death. Um, This is a promise that he will keep to us, an everlasting covenant, an everlasting promise, and he has done it, for he has established a new covenant, a new promise through the blood of his Son. And that's what we have on the night in which he was betrayed. 
a new covenant, a new promise in his blood, the forgiveness of all of our sins, um, because he kept his word, and he has done it. Pastor John Shank of Trinity Lutheran Church and School in Edwardsville, Illinois, giving us God's strong word from Leviticus chapter 26. Pastor Shank, thank you again for giving us the gifts. Thank you. Saints of our Lord, God calls us to obedience. The if-thens, boy, how quickly we can make it about us. But he shows us once again that his obedience is true and he remembers his covenant, which Pastor Shank said so well, that covenant brings us back to Jesus. Oh Lord, help us by your Holy Spirit to be obedient as you are gracious and obedient to us in Jesus. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. On this Wednesday, October 13th, 2021, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, Bart and Julie Day of St. Louis, Missouri. Bart made a gift to KFUO in honor of his wonderful and faithful wife, Julie, as they celebrate her birthday today. Bart is thankful to the Lord for the blessing that she is to him and their family. Thank you, Bart and Julie Day, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. Over the past year and a half, you may have spent more time with the youth in your life, but have you really been connecting? October is Let's Talk Month, so take this opportunity to connect with the young people in your life using Connect With Me, a free resource from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. Head to health.mo.gov connect or follow us on social media for conversation starter cards, resources, and weekly activities. This message brought to you by the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. Worldwide KFUO, a click away, 24 hours a day. Originating from the studios of KFUO Clayton, St. Louis, the messenger of good news. Good afternoon, this is Dan Darnall from the studios of KFUO, bringing you the midday segment. Thanks for joining me for about an hour of sacred music. First up, God the Father, be our stay.
strong.